We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ Hybe and on Facebook. This week's guest is Gary Loop, serving as a business consultant, executive coach, and life coach, Gary Loop has been transforming businesses and guiding leaders for over six years as president of Loop Group. For the last 12 years of his 20-plus year business career, he has been repeatedly entering new organizations facing various challenges. With his unique ability to develop deep levels of trust from CEO to the front line, he rapidly gains a sense of the company landscape to deliver efficient and transformative results. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori. Great to be here. Well, I'm excited for you to be here as well. Um, So there are literally hundreds of consultants and executive coaches in the marketplace. What differentiates you from the others? Excellent question. You know, I spent 14 years at We Energies, and We Energies at one point, about a decade ago, was last in the Midwest of customer satisfaction. And so I had the opportunity, it was through the work of hundreds and thousands of employees to get it done, but to be on the front lines of watching an organization go from last in the Midwest to one of the best in the country was outstanding. So I spent a great deal of time in the call center, and then I also was deployed out to field operations for a number of years. So we had hundreds of employees and, you know, in our call center, three million plus phone calls. And to be able to be a part of watching to kind of go through the rankings, become one of the best, number two um, in the Midwest, one of the best in the country, probably one of the most respected in the, in the nation mm-hmm. in terms of customer satisfaction, even just the way they do business with their customers, not only in the way they treat them, but the way in which they service them too. So just a phenomenal hands-on experience in a 14-year career. <clears throat> then I spent a couple of years as a city of Milwaukee where a similar situation where they needed a new call center, needed a whole new CRM, put it in, worked with the CIO to put that in, and really just to change it over to an organization that really kind of looked the operations, the way the citizens were treated, mm-hmm. and do that was powerful. So then to take that hands-on experience and bring this into this business has been, I think that's really differentiates. And what, what I love about what I've done, and now we're just had the seven-year anniversary uh, this past month, is that I've been in, in banking, I've been in manufacturing, I've been a nationwide moving company, a conflict management company. I've been across the board, and time and time again, these models keep on working. And what I think the, the the major differentiator is, sure, I can figure out your operations, I can figure out your processes, I can figure out everything from A to Z in your business. But when it comes down to the in the end of it, I really work very closely with the people, and I develop very, very high levels of trust. So it's, it's really neat, because when I go on, on site, usually within the first day or even the first week, I could develop a very high level of trust. And what's really, and the big differentiator, I think, is genuine trust. There's trust where it's one thing, but if I genuinely, which I do, I genuinely my heart want the business to be stronger and better, not only the way they do business, but the way they treat themselves and others internally and externally, that's the big difference. So when I go in, I can go into organizations with some higher attrition rates, lower retention, or you know, lower retention, lower engagement, and to come out of it and watch an organization grow stronger and better, but also watch the employees change is incredibly powerful. I think it's a huge differentiator that I've been seeing in my business. And then finally, I would say that my concern for my clients and those that I report to and work for, um, I have a philosophy, Lori, and that is I put the client first, the client's business second, and me third. 
And anyone that has ever worked with me will tell you that's always been the case. There's been many times where I've had to take hits on my business for the better of the other, for my clients, and I'll do that every time. And I think for others that sometimes can be a challenge, but in the end, through the work that I've done, the results that have happened, and just even the referrals that come from that, where they said, you know, in, the, in our most difficult time, you actually, I knew you actually cared about what helped us first over you. That's in the end has really been a huge differentiator. Yeah, that's great. Um, totally makes sense. You've yeah. got quite the diverse background and you've been in some industries and businesses that went from extreme pain to great success. And, and that's what you're trying to help these people do, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. What is your core strategy for your consulting client relationship? You know, it's listening a lot. It's really listening and it's starting at the very top. So I usually with most of my clients, when I go in for an engagement, I come to know their senior leadership, their CEO, their president, whoever that may be, and really get to know them and find out what's happening. Uh, I'm a big uh, a fan of being a historian. Uh, rather than me coming in to find out what's going on now and a plan for the future, I spend a great deal of my time finding out what happened in the past. Where have you been? How did you get there? What worked well? What didn't work well? And that really sets a framework for what the future looks like. What are we going to do? What are your plans for the future? What do we want to achieve? And how are we going to do it? So by understanding that history, that goes a long way to understanding what, what their future may be and where's ways that I can help them um, to change. So that's one of the core strategies. And then what I'll do is once I've once I've developed that again, that level of trust, understanding at the higher level, then I start working through down through the middle management, down to the front lines, and continuing to meet with these people on a one-on-one basis. And again, developing that trust. Trust is a really key word. I'll talk a lot today about, Lori, is that um, it's so critical because um, if the individuals in the, in the organization don't trust me, don't believe in what I want for them, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I go from start to finish and I am at the front line. And I think one thing that it's easy to do is overlook the front line. But those are the ones that are usually in touch with the customers. They know what's going on day to day. So they have a lot of the answers and have great input, but don't, have, don't always have the channels in which to, to present that. Mm-hmm. And so if I can give them a voice, um, it makes a significant difference how I do it. Nice. All right. So what do you believe are the top low-cost tactics that organizations can employ that will make an instant impact on their business? You know, it's really the people. You know, the people is the, is the mm-hmm. big difference. You know, it's, it's the ones where they are the, it's usually generally the most, um, most of the payroll is, is the people. And, um, and it's also in the planning. You know, if we can go through, one thing that I always say is I'm not a firefighter, I'm a fire preventer. And so if we can go in and work with the people that we have there, again, it's a, it's a resource that's already being spent money upon, but if we can use them in a better fashion mm-hmm. and have them actually want to come to work again, as part of that higher retention and higher engagement aspect, we may have folks with higher absentee levels. When you do that, you can save a ton of money through actually engaging them and getting them actually what they actually want to come into work. Um, and again, I think through the planning aspect. So I've saved a lot of money because I, I think um, it's easy to want to, uh, you've got so many, every other business and maybe the same with yours, there's so many things going on. We want to attack them all. But inherently, if we've got our eyes on 10 different things, we never do them quite well. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I go in, it's really the best way that I save the money is by fire prevention. And so that's through looking at, here's all the things that we know and we need to get done. What are the most important that we need to get done? And then we get into a prior to prioritize them. So I'll develop a roadmap, essentially saying, we've got 20 things to do. Let's not do them in one week. Let's start working on one and two. Let's, let's put a systematic work plan in place. 
who's going to do what and by when and how are we going to measure success? And really, we just kind of keep going down the line. We get one and two done right, mm -hmm. three, four, five, and six, that they all kind of come together so that they all match together, they mesh together. And so that's the, that really becomes the master plan. And by so working with the people and getting them engaged and having them come to work and work in the areas where they're best suited, but also getting a plan so that we know exactly what we're doing and doing it systematically, what it avoids, because a lot of money is spent if something is done too quickly or it's done too rushed. A lot of money is spent going back to try to clean things up. Mm -hmm. And so if we do it right the first time, spend the time up front and do it right the first time and not go back to clean things up, it saves a ton of money. Additionally, what I'll find is that the people on the team, the, the, again, the middle management or the, the frontline staff, they begin to really truly believe in the leadership when they know that something's been planned out well. Because if, if something doesn't go well for an organization, if it's not planned well and it goes poorly, the ones who face the brunt of it are the front line. If we do it right, the front line doesn't pay the price and they're likely going to stay longer with the organization. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely 100% agree with the um, prioritizing and just the, the more that you plan and have um, systems in place, mm -hmm. uh, the less pains you're going to have down the road. Yeah. And I'm one of those weirdos where I actually enjoy it. <laughs> so, you know, like the details, the operations piece. I mean, a lot of folks, I don't know how you deal with that. But I actually enjoy it. It's sure. just kind of fun digging into these things. And I work a lot with budgets, too, to understand what's happening there, how to cut, cut expenses and ways mm -hmm. to do that nice. um, fiscally smart. So Cool. Great. So um, my goal with this podcast is to uh, put some fun in networking, right? Yes. Let's alleviate any pains that are, that are there. Um, so I know you've actually got a really cool networking story that you can share with our listeners, right? Yeah, if you're okay, I'll share two quick stories. Absolutely. And one is that, so my background is in stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get into stand-up comedy intentionally. I actually just kind of got coaxed into it. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because someone said, you know, you should reach out to a famous comedian. And, you know, and again, I think the biggest thing I'd say in networking is easy to fear people that are highly successful that we want to talk with. Uh -huh. And I think if there's any takeaway for people listening to this podcast – it's overcome that fear and approach anyone. Everyone is approachable. And in my example, I actually wrote a letter to Jay Leno back about 20 years ago. You know, and pretty much because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into stand-up comedy. It was a letter that basically said, Dear Jay, thinking about stand-up comedy, I have no idea. I'm not even sure if I'm funny. You know, here's the deal. I live, you know, I was, I was commuting to I was, I was commuting to college, so I was living at home at the time. And um, you know, I'm like, here's my, here's our, our our home phone number. And 20 years ago, a phone call came in. And the person, and I answer the phone, and the person says, Jay Leno. And I said, get out. But what's funny is that I did not tell a soul, because I knew if I told my friends, they would all be calling sure. Jay Leno. Yeah. So when he called, I said, get out. And of course, you know, it's Jay Leno. And he, of course, he's like, oh, you know what it is? It's me, it's Jay Leno. You know, he's doing his voice. <laughs> you know, and he said, you know what? I answered your letter, and he said he did it for three reasons. One is that everyone writes me a letter tells me they're funny. You didn't tell me that. I was kind of intrigued. But he told me a couple of pieces of advice, and one is he said, Humor is, or laughter is involuntary. So if you go into comedy and you try it out, if you're not funny, they're not going to laugh. Mm -hmm. It is the greatest test study. I think if you do a speech anywhere um, and you don't always know how the audience reacts, in comedy, it's immediate. If it's not funny, they're not going to laugh. Sure. Great piece of advice. Yep. And he said, if you don't do this, you may regret it one day. Mm -hmm. So I guess the thing is, for Jay Leno, people say, I can't believe he called you. But the first step is actually to reach out and write a letter, I think, that's very sincere um, I didn't try to sell myself. It was one of the, and, and so that was really just a great on a bigger level. So there's a lot of folks that we run across who are immensely successful. And I think if we can reach out to them in, in, in a way that's sincere, they're not as, I think they're, they're, they're people, they're, they're human beings. And some of the folks that you meet that are many, I think are maybe can be intimidated by, they, they actually enjoy engaging with folks and helping them to get where they want to be. Sure. Um, 
And then on a more local level, from a networking standpoint, it's funny because it's 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 one of my major clients is, is Paul Newberger, who you just met. Sure. And it's funny. He's he been a guest I, on the show here. Yeah. Yeah. We just actually met on one meeting. We went and met in passing. It was kind of a networking event. Mm-hmm. We ended up talking. We met, connected. And next thing you know, we talked a few more times. And now he and I have been together, uh, working together for three years um, in a business business coach capacity. And it's been an absolute joy. And so we've, just, and, you know, he's obviously an immense talent. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that came out of just a total one day I went to an event where if I would have stayed home or did something else, it wouldn't happen. And so I've met a number of wonderful folks. So I, I think it's easy to say, well, I'm not going to go to this event or I'm not, you know, maybe I won't go or it's too far away or maybe it's an inch of snow. But I say go. If it's something that you should be at, then, then definitely go. Um, opportunities don't come when we're at home or we're in our car not doing it. Isn't so. that the truth? <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's really just getting out there and talking with folks. And again, I think it's always the sincerity, it's the genuineness and uh, of, of the engagement with them. Yeah, those are both fantastic stories. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. Right. I, I, I mean, I think it's awesome that you wrote a letter to Jane Leno and you were sincere yeah. in, in your messaging and so much to the point that it um, triggered him to pick up the phone and call you. Yeah, That's awesome. Went, yeah, and it went on to become. I did that for a number of years until I got into my my got my grad got my degree, mm-hmm. and uh, but now I'm back doing it again. It's funny. I'm getting. I just got booked four times for some paid events this year, doing kind of company events. I got a holiday event oh, for the new year, so it's still it's still doing it. So the impacts that he had, and of course, the final thing I'll say is the humor in business has done me a great deal. To this date, and I'm always afraid to jinx myself. I've not made an inappropriate joke in the workplace yet, and I don't ever want to do it. <laughs> but humor in times when I'm going to organizations that are really challenged, mm-hmm. there's times where an appropriate laugh or an appropriate moment of levity can really change the whole perspective. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's even just, uh, I think going back to the, the Cold War, there was a point where a couple of the key world leaders were meeting, and Gorbachev, the leader of, of Russia back in the 80s, had said it was a moment of levity that actually saw his adversary as a person that changed his entire perspective. So humor has allowed me to go into some avenues that were very difficult, and by bringing together, and again, nothing inappropriate, but just to, just to bring levity to a situation that's very difficult has certainly made a ton of headway in the business that I do. Nice. So, Gary, how do you stay in front of or nurture this um, your network and your community? Right. Two ways. You know, I'm not real systematic in saying, well, I met with Jody on April 3rd, so it's been six months I'm going to reach out. So I'm a little, I could probably be a little, be a little more systematic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mine is more on sense and feel, and it's also based on opportunity. So when I meet with folks, I want to know what I can do to help them, which is just a huge part. You know, I think the other piece I would say is rather than being interesting – be, interest, be, be interested. And so for me, I'm always interested in what people are doing, how I can help them. And so those opportunities, I think, are always in the back of my head. So if I come across a situation where someone said, boy, I really need to find someone here, the moment I see them is the moment that I'm going to reach back out to that contact saying, hey, four months ago, you had mentioned you're looking for this. I want to let you know I found that for you. And it's just the way I reach out. But I just do it a more of kind of a sense where I'll run, run into someone or I'll check kind of my list of who it's been a while that I've talked to, mm-hmm. or if there's an industry that I'm kind of poking into, or there's an industry that I know that I can help them. It's really finding those opportunities to reach out to them, to, to, again, to serve them first, Yeah, um, which I love to do. It's just great to see people have success and and I enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's really important to, to give first. Yeah. There's a lot of value that comes into that. And I really like how you said, rather than being interesting, be interested. Yeah, absolutely. That was a little powerful message, too. Um, yeah, it's so easy to want to tell, because in my business, I want to tell a lot about it. But, you know, we all have a story. But it's, it's listening to the other person's story. Yeah. We get to kind of share. And totally. Even as I engage new clients, it's been a great 
way to get to know them. Absolutely. What advice would you offer the business professional who's looking to grow their network? You know, I think a common theme I think in this podcast is fear. It's overcoming that fear. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's an event that's coming up where there's going to be a lot of folks and you may not know anybody, it's just walking in the door. You know, the hardest thing is walking into that door. Um, I call it eating your vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just things that we don't always enjoy doing. And sometimes we have to eat, eat our vegetables before we get to enjoy the steak. Yep. And I think there's a lot of work that has to go into building that network. So I think it's plugging into folks that are out there. I think it's reaching out to, you know, the, the people that, you know, that uh, may have networks. You know, of course, LinkedIn is such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And the further fact that I can granularly go down to whatever level, understand who's out there in my community and who I'm looking for. Yep. But I think it's just through persistence. And again, I, you know, the Paul story was just a one-time meeting. And there's been so many times where I met, you know, one person where I may not have met them mm-hmm. another time. And that's happened time and time again. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's great. And I'm glad that you brought up LinkedIn because my next question is about digital networking or traditional networking. Which one do you find more value in? You know, it's a mix. Um, we are in, in five generations, as you know, and everyone has their different flavor and style. And so depending on which industry that I'm in, I will try to mirror where they're at. Okay. And um, so I would be absolutely crazy to not be plugged into the social media community, which I am, um, just, just because of the reach, the ability to reach so many people at one time. Yep. And I begin to get that footprint there. So I'm, a, I'm a definitely a huge advocate of digital. But there's nothing more than interpersonal, you know, and I think so for me, if there's an opportunity to do, you know, a Zoom call or a Skype call, that's great. And I'll, and I'll do those. But it's that one-on-one that I really enjoy. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, we've known for decades that communication is, whatever, 80% nonverbal and 20% verbal. Yep. And, again, because I'm – and I think it's really playing to your strengths. Wherever your strengths are, you know, for mine, because it is a genuine love for people and, the, and their success – it's the one-on-one where they can sense it because there, there is a, there's ability, there's either the genuine or the non-genuine. And when you're one-on-one, I think the, inter, the interpersonal really a lot gets lost. Even on a Zoom call, there's sometimes you can lose some things. It's a great resource with someone who's far away or whatever it may be. But I think there's ability to do it, do it face-to-face. But yeah. again, so it's kind of a blend. But again, when I'm working with someone who's perhaps under 40 years old, I'm very aware that, and in fact, I do a lot of it with my clients when I work with them, you know, in the customer service realm, I basically say if someone's 35 years old or younger, if they have to contact you, that's an annoyance. You need to really speak everyone's language. And much like if someone over 60 or 70 years old, you know, email or even a phone call is much more appropriate. Mm-hmm. So kind of trying to mirror my um, communication style to those who I'm looking either to network with or yep. to work with. Yeah, I think that's a really good strategy. Um, and it's it really makes sense that, you know, there's five generations right now and ever in just the evolution of technology and communication um, over that time period is fascinating, but um, it is good to be conscious of how your audience wants to be communicated to. And that's what is really important. I'm I'm really glad to hear that you are um, cognizant of that and and practicing that very well. Well, you know, what's interesting too, Laura, is that when I work with clients, it's funny because I do work with a five generational client mm-hmm. group, I oftentimes will intentionally bring in folks from every generation into different planning sessions um, because I think there is sometimes an ability to want to either just separate or kind of stay in our own little tribes. And it's so much fun to watch folks that maybe the millennials who are working with a baby boomer, someone working with a Gen X. It's because everyone has these great strengths. And if there's an opportunity to leverage all those and bring them into a room, and oftentimes when I'm working in an organization that's had a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. 
I bring a lot of folks that could be maybe already in not a good relationship. There may be some challenges already. But when you bring folks in a room, they, they find commonalities. So my goal is always to try to find those commonalities. So when they get in the room together, they're like, you know, that person actually I can relate to them because they enjoy fishing. They enjoy, you know, doing these kind of different hobbies. When we can get them down to a personal level, it changes the whole thing with generation. We can bring them into a room and kind of break down a lot of those stereotypes. It's a ton of fun watching those groups start to melt together. Oh, totally. I bet it is. Um, all right. So, Gary, uh, speaking of just generational, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Moisturizer. <laughs> Lots of moisturizer. My wife uses moisturizer, and she looks like she's 20. I look like I'm 90. Right, so <laughs> I would say that was number one. Uh, number two is, you know, what's interesting is enjoy the ride. It yep. sounds a little bit um, cliche, but... Um, you know, for me, I don't celebrate success enough. And with my clients, I tell them, so I'm a touch of a hypocrite. I'm getting better at it. But I would tell my 20-year-old self to really enjoy the ride. You know, it's it's. And I'm thankful for the career that, that I have. But I think I didn't spend enough time enjoying it. So I'm really trying to go back to, to, to enjoy that, that time that I have. And I think the other thing, too, is that I would tell myself that um, – you know, to spend time on things that really matter, asking the questions what really matter. I think in the day-to-day -day life, there's things that can trip us up. It could be an email. It can be even, you know, yesterday's snowstorm, which was incredibly annoying. Yeah. You know, in November, it's like, <laughs> yeah. if we at least get to December first, you know, it's what really matters. And, and those distractions of life can really upset us. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, before I used to get me a little more, you know, challenged by that and I don't know if I was just getting older, I'm slow, you know, just maybe I'm losing some testosterone, I don't know, but I don't get as upset about the snowstorm. Sure. But it's going back and then really, but I think from a career standpoint and life standpoint, just going back and celebrating those mm -hmm. victories because it's so easy not to do that. Yep, absolutely. Um, I think it's really important. And, and it's interesting that you bring up Enjoy the Ride because I was listening to um, a, a different podcast the other day and that was kind of the overarching theme yeah. in that the content that I was listening to was that especially entrepreneurs are mm -hmm. always looking forward, which is not a bad thing. Right, exactly. But they're never actually reflecting on, you know, what's happening, what happened yesterday and, and kind of the growth that has been created. Right. And they're just going, we have to make 20%, you know, better next year. And it's always forward thinking and um, that you shouldn't enjoy the ride. So, right. so it's good to hear that um, being kind of, punched and reinforced yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, it's not uncommon that I'll tell people, leaders that I work with, mm -hmm. please take 15 minutes to smile. Take a moment. If you've had a great success, take 30 minutes, take a half a day and just go back and just sit on the couch, sit in your recliner, go to your favorite place mm -hmm. and just smile and yep. just take it in and think, wow, something that I looked forward to doing and I got here, just take a moment to yeah. just really enjoy it and smile. Yeah. Good. So, Gary, we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Now, who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with, and do you think you could do it within the sixth degree? Yeah, I'll tell you kind of a micro story in that one, kind of a, a, a little bigger story, but there's someone locally that I really deeply respected and knew of and would hear speak and just was a great individual. Mm -hmm. And and I really wanted to meet them and get to know them. This was about 10 years ago. Okay. And kind of go back to their point about fear and, boy, do I reach out to them, whatever it was. So to answer your question, I found I really got the sense of who they knew, who they were talking to, and kind of got to know their community. 
and then just began talking with them and said, you know, I'd really love to meet this individual. And it's funny, that's been 10 years ago. And to this day, we have a very, very strong relationship. So I think it really kind of starts with because it was by three to four degrees of separation. Sure. You know, for me, there's so many out there in the sixth degree. I mean, I think like a Richard Branson kind of thing comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I believe it's, it's um, you know, finding the ways to get in the door to, to, to reach out to those folks. Because I think the, the, the biggest hurdle is just not doing anything at all. So if I were going to reach out to Richard Branson, it's certainly going out to find out who his board of directors are, who he's, you know, who he's influenced by and who he's spending time with. Again, with LinkedIn, I know he's out there. He's certainly by a three plus, you know, degree for me. Sure. Yep. But I think it is just doing the homework to find out. And again, going in with that genuine um, desire to learn about them or yep. just, hey, listen, I got all these things that I want to tell you about, or I've got this great idea to launch a new, you know, your version over to, to, to Mars. You know, he's got enough folks, people people doing that. If it's an interest in them, sure. and getting to know them, or even just getting a few minutes on the phone, absolutely. And I would yeah. strongly encourage you to do that. And I think it's easy to, to become very intimidated by it. And there's not, and I think if, and, and I think there's not always going to be success. There's going to be times where it doesn't work, but at least take, taking that bat, don't look back years later, and kind of like the Jay Leno thing, don't look back years later thinking, boy, I should have reached out to that person because I really sure. appreciate them. Or they may pass away. I've had folks that I knew who were really influential that I would really like to meet. They're no longer here. Sure. What a great loss, and I no longer can reach out to yeah. them. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. Um, what you said, uh, you, this is what you said, and it was really just kind of resonated with me right now, is that the biggest hurdle is doing nothing. Yeah. And I think that is really a strong statement because um, oftentimes there's, you know, we have hurdles, I guess, or mm-hmm. challenges, roadblocks right. that are pushed in front of us. Um, but I, I agree that um, doing nothing is actually the biggest hurdle at the end of the day. Yeah. And I and I kind of run with a philosophy. I had some friends very early in life that passed away. I was a pallbearer more times than I mm-hmm. want to be, car accidents, you name it. But it really kind of taught me this perspective how short life is. And so I do try to live with kind of like I've got six months to live perspective because I think God forbid if I get that diagnosis, you or anyone else, mm-hmm. it changes the whole thing. Goes sure. back to the what really matters. Yeah, absolutely. And it also creates that sense of urgency. What are the things that we've always wanted to do and what's holding us back? And to that very point, by doing nothing, we're not doing anything. So I think we also live this with this sense of urgency that sure life expectancy is 75 years old, uh-huh. but we don't know that. I mean, we may go sooner and to just not treat every day with a huge sense of urgency. So for me, I'm living like, you know, I'm not going to be here at the end of 2020. It doesn't stop me. It sounds a little morbid, but it drives me to say I've got to go out there and do the things that I have to do because mm-hmm. I don't want to be facing down the barrel of something where I don't have as much time. Sure. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. There's nothing worse than regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that 100%. Um, totally makes sense. So as um, someone who's actually you know working alongside entrepreneurs and an entrepreneur yourself, um, continuous learning and education is obviously um, yeah. a critical point to just that, um, having that mindset of, of growing. Um, what book are you reading right now or any podcast you're listening mm-hmm. to that you want to share with our listeners? You know, I've been reading uh, Give and Take by okay. Adam Grant. Um, as I've shared a lot, I have a deep love for people and their business and their lives and their success and how they're doing. And, and I work in ministry and work and I, and I do that. But the book Give and Take is really helpful. I don't know if you're familiar with the I'm book not. at all. Nope. Yeah, I recommend it because basically there's givers and takers and there's people in between. Yep. And I tend to be a natural giver. And, and in my business of consulting, executive coaching and, and life coaching, it's easy to have 
folks who may want to get some free information out of me. And I'm just a natural giver. Uh-huh. So the book was really instrumental in, I think, validating the giving aspects. I think it's easy to get jaded. So I'm not going to give anymore because people are taking it from me. And, sure. and it is. And so it helps you understand the mind. of the, So it helped me understand the mind of the taker for me. And also, also really examine my mind as a giver that I should give. Yeah. But at some point, there's a point where I'm now I'm actually a detriment to not only the business, but to myself. I'm not doing myself a service when I'm over-giving. There, there's value for the services that I provide yep. and knowing that I do have value in that. So it's an excellent book and really, I think, psychologically for me as a giver. And for folks that are takers, it's not a bad thing. I think they just want to use what's brought before them. Sure. But it really gives you kind of a mind of the psychology. And actually, it's, I think it's kind of like a validation for the giving aspect. Absolutely. That definitely makes sense. Um, I'll have to add that one to my reading list for sure. Okay, Gary, so I'm going to turn the microphone over to you now mm-hmm. and give you the chance to interview me. What is something you'd like to ask? You know, I love your story. Now, again, you you started this business back, I think, when the, when the recession was. Yeah, 2008. Deep in the recession. So, and, and you've got to grow. Particularly, you're in an organization where, in an industry that's changing by the moment. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so, you came into an economy that was falling apart in a record. No one in their right mind would ever start a business 11 years later. You're a success. I think question one is to say, how did you have the metal to do it and how is the rewards come from that? But also because this is changing so much, more podcasts are coming, more people are in your industry, how are you finding a way to differentiate differentiate yourself? And how are you finding a way to kind of keep reinventing? Are you reinventing yourself? Are you using your same core strategies and then continuing to change them a little bit based industry? How are you doing that? It's kind of a two-part question, I guess. Yeah, so the first part of your question was um, kind of how I started to some yeah, extent. Yeah, I mean, how did you, because I think for a lot of folks, yeah. it's to start the business, particularly in just a difficult sure. time. Um, a- I mean, it really came down to being uh, quite unhappy where I was at. Yeah. And because it was a terrible job market, um, it was it was not easy to find something um, that was aligned with kind of my mm-hmm. personal mission and, and I wasn't interested in just taking a different job just to take a different right. job. I want to do something where my passion really lied. Um, and I was doing some small, just kind of side project freelance work and I just decided to go all in with that yeah. um, and see where it took me. And this is where it took me 11 years later, um, which is great. Congratulations. That's yeah. just incredible. Thank Absolutely. you. I've learned so much and I yeah. continue to learn things every single day. Um Still a lot of room for growth, you yeah. know, professionally. And, um, but I, I love what I'm doing and it really comes down to passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just educating others is what I'm really passionate about. Um, and the second part of your question was kind of how um, the evolution to some Absolutely. extent. Um, just because your industry is changing so quickly. It is. It is changing. And um, we've definitely pivoted our strategy mm-hmm. numerous times. I mean, actually, when... When I started the business, we only did website design and development. Right. We didn't do any of the marketing services. I mean, really, like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn weren't really mm-hmm. things back yeah, then. So right. um, it was just, oh, you need a website uh, to, to prove that you're a legitimate company. Um, and then because of the evolution of social media and um, all the technology now, the systems and the softwares for automation, mm-hmm. uh, that's really to some extent where the market demanded some assistance. And so we naturally just said, yeah, we can do that. I mean, this is in alignment with what we do web wise and they all connect. And the goal is to, you know, the same at the end of the day is to help you 
generate opportunities um, via the internet. Absolutely. So um, we've definitely uh, evolved from that instance. Um, and to some extent, we've probably offered too broad of a service offering mm -hmm. just because yeah. There's a million things that you can do in the digital space, um, but and then we've also trimmed off some things and uh, I think more strategically just aligned ourselves with other professionals mm -hmm. who can are experts in a specific area. So um, being a resource and saying, you know, that's not our strength, but go talk to XYZ company or this individual and they can definitely help you get that specific task completed. Absolutely. And then if you were to go back to yourself 10, 20 years ago, would you? Uh... Oh, boy. Um, actually, I, I, that's a good question. So uh, I've, I would have loved to invest more time in finding a professional mentor. Mm -hmm. And, right. and uh, it would be great to have that someone who's been with this path, on this path with me, mm -hmm. um, and kind of guided and directed to some yeah. extent, or at least someone to have as a sounding board. Um, I've learned now, you know, leverage your network and to build some strategic um, relationships where we're sounding boards off of each other, more yeah. like a mastermind groups, Absolutely. which are great. Uh, but I just really wish I had that initially. Absolutely. Good questions. Well, Thank yeah. you. Um, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? You know, I think it's uh, kind of go back to the give and take philosophy. You know, I think the question I have to often ask myself is, I know I'm going to feed a lot of people. So I'm out feeding a lot of folks and kind of, I guess, pollinating the word may be. Um, who's feeding me? And so I think for a lot of folks and your podcast audience, if you're if you're someone who's out giving a lot or, you know, how are you doing your giving? And, and you know, is it is it smart to you? So to be kind of really wise about our time, it's really easy to just um, let time. Just, there's, there's you know, even like in the volunteer industry, there's you could volunteer for the rest of your life. There's just so much need. And then for those that are kind of more on that on the taking side, if they're getting a lot from people, but how much more are you giving back? Is there an opportunity to do that? I think the other thing that comes to mind is that, um, you know, for me, it's been interesting about business. Almost time and time again, there's things that I've thought, particularly from a, a new client standpoint, there's been clients that I knew were going to hit. It was going to be a done deal. We're going to sign the deal, and it doesn't always happen. And there's ones where I'm thinking, I'm not sure if that's going to be the right one or it's going to be. And those are the ones that happened. So, and again, there's been a lot that I that I knew we were going to sign that did, but it's been interesting to find the ones even where I thought, oh, I don't think it's going to, it's maybe not the right fit. It's not going to be the right situation where it was the exact right fit. So I guess I would say for, for certainly for your, for your listeners that, you know, there's so many things where I think we want to give up on them or maybe it's not working out right in terms of the prospecting side. But so many times, time and time again, I've seen where it's been the ones that I wasn't sure that, were, that, that turned out to be the locks that don't always turn out to be mm -hmm. the way they are. Yeah, I think those are all really good um, pieces of advice to offer there. So, Gary, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? You know, email or phone. Um, my phone number is 414-315-7750. Email is gary.loop at loopgroupllc.com. And uh, either social media, under my name on social media, on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, or Instagram, you name it, you can reach me there. Uh, text is fine, too. All right. That's great. We will include all of that information in Wonderful. our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Lots of fun. Great conversation. Yeah. 
All right. Well, this wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Gary for taking the time to connect with us. Join us next week for another great guest as we continue the conversation on networking and building your community. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.